Okay, have you ever dreamed of being a character on Grey's Anatomy or, I don't know, let's say a contestant on The Bachelor? Well, there is an app that lets you do all that and more. It's called Choices. It's these amazing stories, but you are actually in the story and actually make choices along the way. Plus, there are super cute outfits that are totally customizable. Hot love interest. Sorry, babe. Lots of romance. It's kind of the perfect app for wind-down listeners. Be sure to check it out in the App Store and search for Choices. Stories you play. Dear Young Rocker is more than just a podcast about music. It's a memoir of how it feels to survive high school when you don't fit in and the freeing feeling of picking up a guitar for the first time. It's also advice for anyone who is or was young and has ever felt weird or alone. Dear Young Rocker is written and narrated by me, Chelsea Erson, executive produced by Jake Brennan, and comes to you from Double Elvis Productions. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wind Down with Jana Kramer and Michael Cawson, an iHeartRadio and People's Choice Award-nominated podcast. Okay, so I'm really excited because we have Catherine Oxenberg in studio. Oh, right. just a, come on. <laughs> um, okay, Catherine, I it's you have a fascinating story. How before I jump into it, do you know Sarah Edmondson? I do, I do, yeah. Okay, so we did a movie together about um gosh, it was a year and a half ago. No, 2 years ago. It's 2 years ago. And it's it's so weird now thinking back to our conversation because I, I I remember her saying some kind of weird 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 things, um, but it it was it was off. And then all of a sudden I saw her on Dateline, and I was like, oh my god, I did a a Hallmark movie with her, a Christmas movie. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and so I I Instagrammed her, and I was just like, hey, because I know that she you know she talked all about being in this Nexium cult. And she has, you know, the book, her book that just came out. And so I just didn't know how big or small that world was. And if you knew of her or, you know, if, if, um, because your daughter was the one that was in the Nexium cult, correct? That is correct. Yeah, I I definitely met Sarah through Nexium when it was called Executive Success Program, which was the consumer facing company that she was a coach for. And so, yeah, in the beginning, she was a big recruiter. And, um, and I didn't really have anything to do with the organization. I stopped taking classes probably in 2013, but my daughter stayed in and she remained a coach and became very involved. And Sarah was quite high up um, uh-huh. in, as far as owning a center in Vancouver and being responsible for bringing in, I don't know, maybe thousands of people. But well, what, and that's kind of what I was like, she, yeah. I felt like she was trying to bring me into something. So I remember being like, it was just very strange. And I was like, no, I'm not really like, I'm, I'm good, you know? But then I was just like, oh my gosh, it's all, it all connected. Wow. Yeah. She's very charismatic. She's a really, she's so sweet, adorable person. And I can see Mm -hmm. why she was a great recruiter and I can see why she's a great whistleblower too. She has the same passion. Um, (laughs) and she's the one who, when I first was told about what was really going on, which would have been April of 2017 and that my daughter had probably been branded Mm-hmm. I met with Sarah and she showed me her brand and on actually, her butt, right? No, it's not on her butt. It's oh, like on, on her, her pelvic area, pelvic area. That's like right, in the right. front. And yeah. it, hers to date is the only brand that I've actually seen. 
But she and oh, I wow. were in the first New York Times uh, um, article that broke the story originally and got the attention of the government. And then I went ballistic on a war path with from one media outlet to the other until... Okay, so let's just start over then. So... <laughs> okay. Let me just, now that we... Get, let's just start from the beginning. So you you and your daughter went to this class. I'll let you kind of start it off. Yeah. How did it start? Um, innocently. It was a self-help leadership program. My daughter was about to start a business. Sarah Edmondson was one of the coaches in that first class. Mm-hmm. Um, it. I'd done a lot of self-help. It didn't seem particularly original, my daughter loved it from the beginning. Uh, I think what hooked me a little bit was they did these emotional processes that to unhook reactivity or what they considered, you know, any limitations that you have. And what's actually happening is they're unhooking your gut and they're just starting to dismantle your personality, but it feels good. And a lot mm-hmm. of these large group awareness trainings use very similar techniques. I think that probably Keith Raniere, although he says his material um, was proprietary and you had to sign an NDA. I think most of it was plagiarized from other of these well-known trainings, whether it be Est or Landmark or Scientology. I think that he stole a lot of stuff. So, the not, you know, but um, my my daughter got very involved and there was a huge emphasis on recruitment and they were making a lot of money off people. At one point, Catherine, did you kind of read between the lines and realize uh, this isn't exactly what we signed up for and get yourself out? And then like, why was there such a discrepancy in time between when you got yourself out and then getting your daughter India out? You know, it's an interesting thing that you say, get, you know, getting myself out. I never really considered myself in because I just took classes and there Mm -hmm. was a huge difference between somebody who was taking the occasional class versus somebody who signed up for the coach path, which Sarah was a coach. And they those people were taking this program seriously, and they're the ones that they considered to be really dedicated to improving humanity. Um, like there was a big emphasis on on the, the doctrine and mm-hmm. on, on Keith Raniere, who they called the vanguard. So right. um, I never really got in. I just mm. took classes, and then I'm like, you know what, this is weird. But the, the reason I wrote a book, which came out actually last year, was because those warning signs, if I'd recognized that they were dangerous versus just thinking, okay, so these are quirky people, mm-hmm. um, I would have run away. I would have never exposed my daughter to anything as dangerous as this. It's just that I, I was naive. I didn't really understand how these groups work. And I didn't understand the process of indoctrination and how easy it is to kind of hijack somebody's mind without you being aware. So was India branded? India was branded, yeah. I did an intervention with her, which was May 2017, and I point blank asked her if she'd been branded, and she didn't lie, which was strange because everyone within the organization is taught to lie to everybody on the outside. So to why protect. would you think that she was getting, like, what were the things that you saw that were, that was off? Okay, so um, in the beginning, uh, she became a little more distant. She mm-hmm. became a little bit more serious. She felt more burdened to me, but it could have been, you know, okay, so one of the heads of the organization, Nancy Salzman, who was higher than Sarah, told me, well, India's individuating. And so you, I could, I could, I could buy that. You know, she was a young woman and she was separating from me and her family and she was trying to find her own way. So a lot of the symptoms that are like, wow, doesn't feel like my daughter anymore. Doesn't have that kind of brightness and that, that joyful spirit. Um, I didn't know that this these were symptoms of her actually dis, having her personality dismantled. 
and taking on a cult persona. And that's what happened. She slowly but surely started to change. And it was so slow, it's such a slow drip, that it wasn't until it was too late that I realized that they'd taken her. And that so she, what do you mean gone. by taken her? What 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 does that consist of? Well, again, steps. First, becoming a coach. And so isolating her, creating a new family, separating her from her loved ones, um, insisting she break up with her boyfriend, then involving her 24-7 in the organization, recruiting people, making it her life, then moving her to Albany, New York, which was the epicenter of the group. Mm-hmm. So slowly but surely, the years go by. She's living in Albany. She's given up all her possessions in L.A. She's given up all her friends. And she's leading this new life in service of Keith Raniere. And suddenly she's Allison, Allison Mack's slave. And you go, what the hell happened? And um, it wasn't until... like I, I I'm a parent of several kids and really part of the way that I parent is that I try and let my kids make their own mistakes. I try not to interfere. I try not to be a helicopter parent. Um, But, you know, really adhering to giving them the dignity of their own process of adulting. But when I found out that she was actually in physical danger is the moment that I, like my maternal instincts just went haywire and I, I did everything that I could to get her out. What danger did you see? And what danger did you know that she was in? A defector called me up um, mid-April 2017 and said, you have to save her. And I'm like, "Uh, okay, from what? And she said, well, she's involved in this secretive slave master group that's supposed to be a female leadership program within Nexium, But actually, it's a recruiting funnel for sex for Keith. It's based on a slave master hierarchy. And Alison Mack is her master. And she's being forced to recruit slaves. She's probably branded. She's on a 500-calorie-a-day diet. She's sleep-deprived. Uh, she signed a lifetime vow of obedience to Keith and to the organization. Like She just she read off this list of things, and I'm like, how does self-help turn into sex trafficking? Like, How does that even happen? And so the first thing that I did was I went to see a specialist. I organized an intervention. I brought her back to L.A., pretending it was a birthday. I felt horrible. I'd never been duplicitous mm. with my daughter. I mean, we have such we had such a That's great okay. relationship. Found out from my daughter at the same time, her hair was falling out. She hadn't had a period in a year. Mm. Uh, so I'm getting messages from her that she's having physiological problems. I can't tell her that I know why because I don't want to kind of, I don't want to expose my plan to bring her back because I was afraid she wouldn't right. come back. And then I fail at the intervention, and I see that she's recruiting other young women, and I'm able to stop them going back to Albany from being branded. Thank God. So you you stopped her, like she she saw it, saw like she in the intervention she she saw what was happening. No, like quite were, the, quite the opposite. She thought I was crazy and overreacting, and that she was doing something good and noble, and that um, branding was character building. She was completely brainwashed. At what point? After that intervention, like how long after that were you finally able to get through to her? Okay, um, a year and two months. Wow. So that so was, she just left and you didn't talk to her? They took her back and they started to, um, well, first of all, the hierarchy started to try and use her to find ways to sue me and compromise me and silence me. They told her that I was suffering from Munchausen by proxy disease, that I was a psychopath, that everything I was doing was trying. So they brainwashed her specifically against me so that I was enemy number one, which made it very, very hard because then everything that I did when I had to go and expose her publicly, 
um, just deepened the rift and made it harder for her to reconcile with me. Does she still have that um, negative energy towards you or is she, is she, you know, is she okay now? Are you guys okay? We're more than okay. And I think um, one of the first things that she said to me that I knew meant that she was healing after thinking that I was like public enemy. Number one was she told her best friend, my mom was willing to have everybody hate her. And yeah. I knew when she said that, that she understood that I was willing to go to any lengths to get her back. And that was the depth of my love. Absolutely. Let's take a break. When we come back, Catherine Oxenberg is going to talk about signs parents should look for in their kids, things she saw and things you should look for if you've got kids and are concerned your kids are going down a bad path. Do you want to own iconic luxury items at unreal values? Yes. <laughs> well... Then go to the real, real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury consignment from top designers, designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off of retail prices. Honestly, the real, com has been great for us. Um, I know Mike found a watch the other day on there. I, I found a few shoes. Yeah. I saw some emails for, over my birthday for my birthday presents. Jana was going on there for. Uh, yeah. I'm all about the deal. So whether you shop in store online or the app, get 20% off select items with promo code real. That's the real, com promo code real for 20% off select items own iconic luxury items at unreal value with the real real the leading reseller of authenticated luxury consignment from top designers like Louis Vuitton, gucci rolex cartier and hundreds more at up to 90 percent off retail shopping consign women's and men's luxury fashion and streetwear as well as fine jewelry watches art and home decor yeah and new arrivals they come in daily and every item undergoes the real world's very meticulous brand specific authentication process overseen by a hundred plus experts including luxury brand authenticators gemologists and horologists shop luxury the sustainable way at their newest location in union square san francisco you can also go online download the app or visit one of the original stores in new york or west hollywood in la honestly the realworld.com has been great for us um i know mike found a watch the other day on there I, I found a few shoes yeah i saw some emails for, over my birthday for my birthday presents jana was going on there for uh, yeah i'm all about the deal so whether you shop in store online or the app get 20 percent off select items with promo code real that's the real real.com promo code Real for 20% off select items. Lola is a female founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners. They now offer sex products too. Sex by Lola is a line of gynecologist approved sexual health and wellness products, lubricated condoms, personal lubricant, and cleansing wipes designed first and foremost for women. Lola has built a brand that is committed to creating transparent and trustworthy products and encouraging candid conversations about the experiences we as women have throughout our entire reproductive lives. Sex by Lola is the next step in their mission to become the first lifelong brand for women's bodies. The Sex by Lola line is available for subscription. You can add to your period subscription so everything is conveniently delivered on your ideal schedule. Whether it's condoms, cleansing wipes, or tampons, Lola makes your month easier so you're never caught without something you need when you need it. I'm a big fan of Lola and I love the convenience of it. So for 30% off, your first month subscription, visit mylola.com and enter Jana30 when you subscribe. That's mylola.com and enter Jana30 for 30% off your first month subscription. mylola.com and enter Jana30. Do you have any any uh, kind of, I guess, advice for any parents out there that have 
you know, these young adult children that are kind of going off and having their new experiences. I don't know, something to, to watch out for that maybe looking back you might have missed or you wish you would have done better. I, I don't know, you know, just anything for parents. Um, you know, we're parents of two young kids, but just something to look out for in those later years. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think if I had known that the prefrontal cortex of a young adult doesn't fully develop until they're 27, so their mm-hmm. ability to um, to make decisions, their cognitive faculties actually aren't fully developed, I would probably be more mindful about what they got involved in and do more due diligence. And um, I would teach them about predatory tactics, whether it be an abusive relationship or a predatory group like this, and what to look for and what to avoid. And a lot of those warning signs are actually, like there's a roadmap in my book that makes it very helpful to understand. Like if we expose, whether it's an R. Kelly, you know, how these Mm -hmm. predators operate in plain sight, once you expose their playbook, which is pretty slim, then our kids are not going to fall prey in the same way. Be it it a group or be it an individual. They kind of work the same way. Absolutely. And and going off of that, do you think, you know, because I feel like as, again, we're parents of two young kids, you want everything to be like butterflies and rainbows, right? Especially early on. In your experience raising multiple children, what's that age that maybe you sit them down and have these discussions where, look, there's bad people in this world. There are predators. There's people, and these are the consequences. This stuff actually exists in this world. At what age would you consider having those discussions going back again with your kids? Wow, you know, that is a, another great question, and I think that's personal choice because I think you start the minute that they interface with other people. Um, I was molested at age four. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's a personal decision like who your kids are going to be interacting with and what you tell them at what age and what they can comprehend. So maybe in simple terms when they're younger and then when they're able to think cognitively, which starts around the age of like 10 to 12, you can, you know, it's a really hard conversation because you don't want them to be suspicious or cynical. And that's right. it's a very fine line, but the world is not um, a safe place and people don't have your best interest. And that's a, it's tough. To break that to your kids. Absolutely. So, when you say this, um, the sex slaves and slavery, I mean, was it, was it just um, sex trafficking and sex slavery? Or what other kind of, what else did that entail? Um, multiple, like, abuses against women and what it means to be a, wim- a woman. And it was deeply embedded into the curriculum. The deeper you got in, the more misogyny was revealed till you have women like Lauren Salzman tell Sarah Edmondson the only way a woman can build can build self-worth is through humiliation. So I would say um, this was a very, very dangerous organization because the level of self-hatred that it was fostering, that women were able to then hurt another woman. I mean, um, they were desensitized to the point that violence against women was, was encouraged. That's very frightening. Yeah, but it started not like that. So I'm just, yeah. they just they just get in and they just totally brainwash you. Wow. Well, it was ha- you have to look at it from two standpoints. The epicenter of this cult, the Keith Raniere, had a harem and he was rotating 20 women. This is not 
how they present themselves. This is not what I was told when I walked in the door to take a class, that really the leader is having sex with 20 women and that potentially anybody who walks through these doors is a, is a recruit to become a sexual partner for him. You're not told that. Um, but that's really what was going on. This was all about his, it was about power control and his self-gratification. Everything that was designed, the whole program was to, as a funneling system for him. That's how sick it was. And he's obviously in jail now. He is definitely in jail without bail. And he's awaiting, awaiting sentencing. Has he owned up to any of it? Or is he that psychopath that just thinks that what he did was fine? You want to hear the thing that's so gross? I was sitting in court during closing arguments. And I know that he made <sighs> his chief counsel say this to the jury. The f- he was basically saying that the first witness, this woman, Sylvie, who had accused him of rape, basically... He's like, well, he, Keith gave her her first orgasm. So, and I'm sitting there going, okay, wait a minute. Are you really trying to say that he's a good guy? Cause because he gave, him, gave her, gave an, her orgasm? an orgasm? Jesus. So that's the level of, of <sighs> self-awareness that this, I mean, to me, he's like, he's a lost cause. And if he ever comes out of jail, I mean, he's a danger to society, this guy. Mm. Um, so you have your book came out last year, right? Um, hardback came out last August, and then the paperback came out this July with an with an extended chapter about the trial and reconcil- reconciling with my daughter. And it's called um, "Captive: A Mother's Crusade to Save Her Daughter from a Terrifying Cult." Um, it's available now, and you're actually going to be on the E True Hollywood Story too. Yeah, I think that's coming out this. Um, Saturday has it been hard for you to be in the the limelight in this way like I'm sure it wasn't what you thought would ever happen so why did you why did you want to write the book why did you want to come out and do the you know the e story and is it to to raise awareness or is it a is it a, a coping mechanism too um Originally, I wrote the book because I was afraid the government was going to drop the ball because people had brought evidence for decades mm-hmm. and nothing had ever happened. So mm-hmm. I thought, what if I'm? What if my book is the only resource that collects all the information to expose Keith Raniere and these crimes? That was ultimately my first reason for doing it because he hadn't been arrested when I was writing my book. And mm-hmm. as I'm writing, the story's unfolding. So it was happening in real time. Wow. Then I wrote it for India. I wrote it for my daughter because I figured if she read it, she would wake up. And that mm. did, it helped her wake up. And then, you know, after that, it's to help other family members who are going through or what I went through. I hope nobody goes through what I went through and to prevent it from happening. And yes, to raise awareness, because I think these these predators hide in plain sight. And the more you you shine a light on their tactics, the the easier it is, the, safe, the safer we are. Absolutely. And do you... I know, again, just relating back to us having kids in our daughter, like she doesn't complete sentences as well as maybe some of her classmates. Right. And so Jana and I put it on ourselves and like we feel guilt where we're like, are we not doing enough? Are we not doing something right where she's a little behind going through what you've been through with India? Did you have to overcome those feelings of guilt? Did you put a lot on yourself initially, like throughout all this process? Um, My personality is Immediately, yes, I felt guilt that I had introduced her to this program. But I'm the way that I deal with that is that I, I'm I find actionable ways to 
to counteract that. So Absolutely. I I went full f- force into getting her out. I felt responsible for getting her out. I felt responsible for getting her out. And it's about being accountable as a parent. Like you're not, can't be blamed for everything, but wherever you no. can help, you do. Mm-hmm. How has India, you know, dealt with the healing process through all of this? It's been um, intensive. I think mm-hmm. for anybody, this is the thing that people don't understand. You can't leave a cult and move forward. You're still trapped. It, like it's in your head. Mm-hmm. So they change the way you think. Uh, you're still under the influence of the doctrine. So it takes a lot of work to unravel what was done to you and to reclaim your ability to think critically. And that is a process. And it's just been lots of therapy. What was the one thing that helped her the most, do you think? Um Gosh, you'd have to ask her that. I mean, because I'd like to think it, you know, was me, but I don't think it was me. <laughs> I, I think it it was it was a lot of things. It, um, she she met a lot of people who gave her a different perspective, and that perspective sort of shattered the cult persona. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a watching her blossom was really beautiful and coming back right. to herself. Well, I mean, I just appreciate you coming on here and sharing the story and for being vulnerable. And, you know, you're obviously your words and your story are going to help a lot of people. And hopefully, you know, um, you know, hope everyone gets your book, too, because, I mean, it's it's unfortunately not just a fascinating made up story. You know, it's real and something that you guys have been through and others are probably going through right now. So hopefully this will be the first, you know, look into it and then also the, you know, the help to get out. So we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so thank, much, both of you. Thank you, Catherine. And <laughs> listeners, don't forget to watch the E! True Hollywood story on this. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, you guys. Take care. Okay, have you ever dreamed of being a character on Grey's Anatomy or, I don't know, let's say a contestant on The Bachelor? Well, there is an app that lets you do all that and more. It's called Choices. It's these amazing stories, but you are actually in the story and actually make choices along the way. So for example, one story is called Open Heart. Okay, you get to live with your friends in your first year of residency. You can focus on romance, medicine, or both, and it's so fun either way. And there's a story called America's Most Eligible, where you try to build relationships with the other contestants and try to land the man of your dreams. And those are just two. There's a bunch, okay? There's Royal Romance, which is like the Princess Diaries. Love that one. Uh, There's a story called Baby Bump, one called The Royal Masquerade. It's free and you are in control. Plus, there are super cute outfits that are totally customizable. Hot love interest. Sorry, babe. Lots of romance. It's kind of the perfect app for wind down listeners. Be sure to check it out in the App Store and search for choices. Stories you play. Halloween is on the way, which means it's time to break out the rubber spiders, fake cobwebs, and jack-o'-lanterns. But if you've got a family, you might be dealing with something a little scary right now. Shopping for life insurance. If the idea of looking for life insurance intimidates you, try PolicyGenius.com. PolicyGenius is the easy way to shop for life insurance online. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can help also with finding the right home insurance, auto insurance, and disability insurance. This October, take the scariness out of buying life insurance with Policy Genius. Go to policygenius.com, get quotes, and apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. 
What's up, guys? What's happening? Mark, Easton, are you there? I'm here. Easton uh, is dealing with other podcasts as we speak. He's running around this building like crazy. Awesome. Go team go. Mm -hmm. How are you guys? Living the dream. Yeah. Every day. Right, Every honey? day we're hustling. <laughs> when we last left, we had a discussion about Mike's trip to Mount Kilimanjaro. Has there been any further discussion on that? No, we got other stuff more at the <laughs> forefront that we're working on. <laughs> that's, okay. Well, then I'll that, be quiet and let you guys go. That's a no, bit. <laughs> Mark, please tell me about you. I'm, I just really want to talk about Mark today. Uh, there's nothing. I, there's nothing interesting about me. I promise you. Do you have anything, honey? Nope. I really don't want to be here right now. So <laughs> I've kind of gotten that vibe, actually. Uh, <laughs> we wear our hearts on our sleeves, Mark. What can we say? It's uh, a blessing. It's a blessing and a curse. I mean, if you want to talk about it, be my guest, Michael. I know Mark would love that, wouldn't you, Mark? Oh, Mark. I think I. I you know, I just want what's best for all of us. <laughs> well, why don't you just take okay. away, Mike, and see how the water feels? You know what? It. here's the situation and this is i mean it, i tell you what we give these listeners some good stuff <laughs> yeah it's real good my heart on the f-ing floor is really good stuff i'm not saying that i'm it's just really saying. no i know it's just really good stuff you really want to talk about this i mean go for it we already got all our shit out there. Might as well just keep it on a roll. And I'm sure people deal with this. So, all right. Here's, I'll give the the gist of it. Well, on, no, let me start. <laughs> on Saturday, on Saturday um, we had some friends in town. We're about to, about to go out for a date night. I received this text message from this number I don't recognize. Open it up. It's a picture of a female and like a message. Or Large boobs. Top off. Mm-hmm. Message from a female with weird writing underneath saying, oh, let's try to meet up this time or something like that. I don't know. I mean, you brought it up. So this was a wrong number. This was an old situation. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't anybody I knew. Oh. And so I see it and I'm like, okay, I know the right thing to do is to go get Jana, pull her aside and say, hey, I received this. I don't know what the hell it is, but I just need to let you know. Because something like this has happened happened like a year ago when we when we were in L.A. Very similar situation, nearly identical. And I brought it to Jana, and I said exactly pretty much that. Hey, I just got this. I don't know what the hell it is, but I just needed to bring it to you. And she handled it well. She really did. And. This situation Saturday, even though I consciously had that dialogue with myself, saying, I know what I need to do here, I was terrified to do so. I started kind of rationalizing in my head. I'm like, man, we're about to go out to a date night with like two other couples. I was like, in the other end, on the other side, I'm like, we've 
Jan and I have really had a good run recently. Like not a lot of past stuff coming up. We've been handling situations pretty well, handling triggers pretty well, talking things out where it's like, it really felt like we were building a lot of forward momentum and really majority of our conflicts were around day-to-day marital issues. And so the part of me that won in this situation was like, this is the past coming back up. I don't want any part of this. This is not me. Mm-hmm. Like, get out of here. And delete, block, done. All with the intention, and Jana will chime in after I'm done talking, definitely about this, is I was like, look, I need, I don't want to bring this up now. I don't want any part of it right now. I felt like a hot potato. I didn't even want it in my text messages. Get rid of it. I talked to my sponsor, usually like, every Monday morning because I know where he's going. I know where he'll be and I can get a hold of him. I want to talk to him and go from there with all intention of, of bringing it to Jana, letting her know the situation, telling her why I deleted it, which was because I just didn't want any part of it. None of it. And so then yesterday, I don't know what inspired Jana, but she looked, she saw my Apple watch and saw the text message on there. So when she compared it to my phone, she thought I was just being sneaky and deleting it. And I understand, and I truly am empathetic to the fact that her seeing something that was deleted, that wasn't brought to her attention by me in a healthy way. Cause it's a boundary is extremely triggering. And, yeah, it's a boundary to not delete things. Something that we we have mutually discussed and agreed on. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of stuff comes up for her. A lot of stuff comes up for me. And it's... We had a couple session about it this morning. And it's just... It's one of those things that's just... Difficult to navigate. You have no idea who this person was. No, none. None at all. And the only thing I can think of and how this person even had my number was almost 18 months ago when I had my relapse and I was reaching out to Mm -hmm. numbers of a plethora of numbers. And which again, which is how this same situation happened like a year ago. And so it's just, it just sucks because it's, it's just as soon as we, we feel like we're hitting a good, a good, you know, patch. It's just like my past behaviors, my past actions come back to haunt me. And then because I didn't handle it in the way I know I had to, it made it even worse. So the thinking was, we're going out for a date night. It's going to be great. Things have been so good with us lately. I don't want to trigger her in any way. Yeah. And I just like, this is so not me. I just don't want any part of this right now. I don't mm-hmm. I, or period. I don't want this right. life. This isn't the right. life that I'm living now. It's a part of your life you want to bury and it's rearing its ugly head. And you're just like, get away, get away, get away. Yes. Which 
is understandable, but not what Jan and I agreed on, on how to discuss these things and handle these things. And it's beyond hurtful to see Jana hurt and upset and feel the things that she feels because of the things that I've done in the past. And Jana, you regularly go through texts? No. This is... Okay. I don't. Um, I haven't. Things? Yeah, we got into a fight um, that morning or the afternoon or whatever. And I just, I don't know. I saw his little watch thing on the counter in the bathroom. And I just, I always have this like really weird intuition. Every time I've had that intuition, it tells me to look. Mm-hmm. And I always find something. And when I looked, I was like, God damn it. I saw it and I just immediately started my heart just fell. I was like, it's here. It's happened again. I'm such a fucking idiot. And I immediately called my best friend and I just was like shaking, crying outside. And then I texted the number or I called the number. Mm. Um, and then I texted it and it was like, please you know, it's like, it said like, sorry, hun, can't, can't, um, can't talk on the phone. Like, do you want me to come over? And I was just like, you texted my husband. I would love to know your correspondence. Like, please from woman, one woman to another. And I'm just like, as I'm typing this, I was like, this is literally like, how is this happening again? Um, and then like the messages got like really weird. And then like it sent me the same message that it sent Mike. And so then it started to think, okay, maybe this is like one of those like computer a bo- people. A bot. Yeah. Like a bot, mm-hmm. like computer. Cause mm-hmm. it was like, what kind of boobs do you like? And I'm like, okay, this isn't a real person. So then right, I'm like, they're not even reading it. Yeah, they're not even reading it. They're just like, I'm coming to Nashville. Like, let's hook up. And I'm just like, okay. So then I like got to that point. So then I'm like, okay, so maybe he hasn't, this is an actual person, but maybe he like got on a site because, you know, usually when you sometimes go to sites, those things can get on your phone and then then you're part of like that spam thing. So I'm, but I'm like, how would he get on? porn sites because he's got covenant eyes on his things to not have the ability to go to those places. And so then I call my sponsor um, or she's kind of my sponsor. It's weird. She's um, she's in the program. She's a sex addict. And so I called her and I just was talking this through. And and the part is, is it's the deleting. It's the because I'm like, if he didn't delete it, like I, like he said, Mike said, like he came to me before and I was totally fine with, I wasn't fine with it, but I was like, okay, this sucks, but thanks for bringing it to me. It's the, the sneakiness of like feeling like he deleted it. Mm-hmm. The, it Cause I'm like, I, like he saw before I didn't freak out. I could understand if maybe I freaked out before and threw a fit, but I didn't, I was okay with it as okay as I was. 
So the the part that like scared my sponsor was that, you know, that he deleted it and withheld information, especially since that's the boundary. And, you know, and so they're like, okay, like, you know, this isn't the smoking gun. What, what, you know, do you hire a PI? And I'm just like, oh my God, like my whole, my whole world is about to just fucking crumble again. And I'm like, and I just started, I'm just like, how, like this, I know how, but it, I just, so it's just been to feel, I'm just sick of finding things. I feel like I'm constantly, and it's like, so then someone says, well, don't look, but then it's hard not to look when I have that intuition to look. And from your standpoint, the coincidence of the one time you look, yeah, you find something. That's got to be tough. But Well, yeah, and it's every time. And then it's like the hard thing, too, is a lot of the times when I do find something, he'll say, no, I'm sorry. It was just I don't know. But then there's always something after that. And that's where I'm like, OK, now I'm like living in the lava again. When am I going to get completely covered by it? Because that's next. And that's the part that's like, that's the part that's like, you know, I don't want to live this kind of life to, to know when the, 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 like, we just moved into this beautiful house and we have a second kid. Like uh, we fought so hard. Like why, why is this happening again? And that's what I'm so scared of because it's, it's not whether he ends up meeting up with someone or not. I mean, that last relapse he almost did and I was going to sign the papers. So it's like he gets even close to the fire and I'm gone. It's like, does, and I'm like, does he not know that and realize that and uh, love our family enough? And I know it's not about our family. It's not about me, but that's just where, um, but unfortunately we met or fortunately we had a couple's. Well, so last night I just was like, get out of the room, you know, out. And this morning we had the obviously that couples therapist and it was a new therapist. The poor guy just got <laughs> baptized like, by fire, majorly baptized by fire because. Um, but, you know, and he just was like, you know, gave Mike the opportunity to come forward and know that I'm going to start researching and looking into things on the phone bill. And just he's like, can you try not to go all the way down the rabbit hole? You know, he's like, do you need to look for a couple weeks and see? And that's the hard part because now I have to go, OK. Was he on an inappropriate site that I don't know about? Was this just a fluke? Is he really, you know, I'm like, I love you, Mike, but like, you're a good liar. Like you passed a lie detector test. You know what I mean? Lying. So I'm like, you're, you're charming as hell. People believe you. Like you've lied to like, I mean, I've seen you like look me in the eye and tell me the, what your truth was, but it wasn't your truth. So it's like, I'm, I'm kind of caught in like this weird, like, what do I believe? How do, was it just a fluke? I don't know. And that's where I'm just like, I kind of just feel like I'm like, I've given enough signs to the freaking universe. So I'm like, do I, do I keep asking for signs or are these my signs to like get out of Dodge? Sorry. This is just really fresh. Don't be sorry. Well, Amy, of course you don't be sorry. You're the producer of the show. <laughs> no, but I also am like here with tears in my eyes. And I, the thing that's hard is you're not looking at each other right now. And you're not speaking to each other. And your body language is really tough right now. And you're talking about him, but he's right next to you. Because well, I'm just not ready to look at him yet. Because I don't know, I know. what I'm looking that's at. That's okay. That's okay. What would help you? 
I don't know. That's the thing. I can't, I, there's nothing that's, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, but so, I just, I'm like, why can't you just like, I didn't give you a reason to not tell me the truth or to not just be like, Hey, this came up. Like, I just need like in moments like that. Cause I, I always ask, I'm like, Hey, is anything inappropriate? Or like, I give him the opportunity to come to have a safe place. And I like, I want those moments so bad. I want to see that he's working his recovery and working the boundaries. Like that stuff is so huge for me, which is why I didn't freak out the last time when he came right. to me. Well, Michael, what scares you? What scares you to tell her? And that's just it. It's, it's scary, period. I, I, because, I understand. Because there's so much shame. Because in, in my mind, yes, even though I know the right thing to do, it's still a reminder of the things that I've done. And so there's just, it's, there's so much pain. There's so much fear behind that, that the other part of me, it's just like, I don't want her to have to think of that stuff. What about forgiving yourself first, Mike? And, <laughs> and trying every day I've, because I've you have so much years. pain. And then because of that, it is all over Jana and she has to carry so much because you won't forgive yourself. She can't forgive you until you forgive yourself. I mean, I've told him I forgive him. I know you have. And Mike, you are a good person. You are, you both are so beautiful and strong and open. And I just don't know that you guys know it. So, Jana, I read this article. It's really interesting you bring this up about the need to know versus the fear of knowing. And I think that that's something that that you should think about and talk to your sponsor or therapist about because it seems that that's what you grapple with. You need to know, but you're afraid to know. And that becomes a painful conflict for someone. Mm-hmm. And neither is necessarily... I need to know for safety. That's the thing. Like, that's kind of what I've always when something comes up because I want to know that he's because it is hard for him to tell the truth it has been in the past Mm -hmm. so it's like to feel to know that I'm safe in this marriage and to know that he's not acting out like those are the things like those landmines that landmines that he gets Mm -hmm. from for me to be able to see and to know that he's doing what he's you know what people have told him and how to you know how to tell me and it's like and with me being empathetic and sitting in it and just knowing what he's doing, like that's that I, I, it's like it, it's, it's so helpful. It shows me that he's on the right path gives of recovery security. and yeah, it gives me gives security, security that he's telling me the truth mm-hmm. and not just deleting things like the deleting things. Just, I mean, it just, whether it's, it was a fluke text sends me right back to him deleting all the messages that he did with his affairs. I understand that. I understand that. So it's just, it's heavy because I'm like, and now I just, I don't know what, I don't know. Well, you feel out of control. Yeah. I just, I feel like I'm just like my anxiety level is just like through the roof. And did the therapist this morning have any input on that about what to do now? Uh, to take the space we need. And to rely on what we need to rely on in order to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
That makes sense. I know. I feel like Jana has to find the security in herself. That's the thing. Like, I'm... When, you know, when I got upset last night, like, staring at my house outside in our driveway, it was... I'm... I'm secure with me, but like our relationship and I thought we were, it's just, I felt like it was like a slap in the face. So I'm not secure in his recovery, but it's not my recovery. That's the thing. So it's, it's, that's the, the, that's the, the hard part about living with an addict today. I'm not secure. A few days ago, I felt secure. I'm trying to just process everything. It's it's really complicated. It, it is, and it's it is, but it's not, you know. And that's that's honestly, it's that's part of the weight and the frustration and the pain of it all. Because when you look at it, if you put it down on paper, it's very simplistic. Just all I had to do was come to her and say, "Hey, this happened." So what is your answer why you didn't? First of all, for me, feeling safe and telling the truth is something that goes back since I was young. Mm-hmm. Like I have fear around even being honest because of how it was received in my upbringing. So that's a very big traumatic trigger for me. And has definitely been my biggest hurdle in living with integrity and being completely honest and transparent and in in everything in all accounts. What I was telling Mark on why I didn't was because I want to run so far away from that life Mm -hmm. of getting that kind of text message of, of, of being reminded of the piece of shit I used to be. That it's just, it's that shame hit, that kick in the dick. And I I just, selfishly, I didn't want any part of it. And that's, that's the part that's unfair because I took that opportunity away from myself and from Jana because I wanted to spare myself and her. But I feel like it was more of a selfish decision because I was scared. So when I hear you call yourself a piece of Used to be. It's you weren't but that's uh, but that's it that's how that's how i f- i feel that's how i felt that's part maybe of my when you work on that part and forgiving yourself and knowing then you will trust jana jana is fiercely loyal to you michael and you need to be willing to share with her the worst parts of you she will not leave well well yes but if you would have told her yeah And you are I, not a piece of I, Mike. I understand. You are I, not. I never learned how to trust the truth. That's yeah, that's I get that. that, and that's my trauma. But it's not on her. She's shown you so much loyalty. I know. But I also want Jana to, when she hears you call yourself a piece of, it breaks my heart. It must gut her. Mm. Not in You're this a moment, good guy. But... <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> But you are a good guy. I hate hearing you say that about yourself. And I would feel the same way if Jana criticized herself that way. I'm, I'm just sorry. You can say that. Say it to her. 
I am sorry, honey. That I didn't handle it the way that we agreed upon. And handle it the right way for myself, for you, and for both of us. I'm sorry that the damage that something like, again, that seems so simplistic can cause. I hear you. I just am having a hard time with you saying that you were going to tell me because it's like, you know how many times I've heard, but I was going to tell you. Absolutely. But so I'm like, you deleted it. Like, just own that you weren't going to, you, you don't want any part of it, that you just deleted it. Don't, I just, the, the, the saying that you were going to tell me about it is the part that I'm just like, I do not buy. And I don't blame you for not wanting to tell me not wanting that life. I don't, but I'm like, I, I have a heart because I'm like, I've, you know how many times I've heard you say, but I'm going to, I was going to tell you about it. So after 20 times of finding things, I don't believe that line anymore. I believe you deleting it and just being like, I don't want this life. I do believe that. And you f***ed up. I get that. I totally would get that. But the fact that you're trying to hide behind saying, but you were going to tell me, I don't get, I, I will, I will not believe you on that. I just don't. And I can't really hear her, really hear her, because she's making a really, really clear point there. And I understand it. Like, I'm totally giving you the opportunity to be like, you're right. And I, I you know, even though I said I was going to tell you, I, you're right. That is a lie. Maybe my intentions sure were, but I probably wasn't. That would make more sense to me. That That I can agree with. Before when we I hear you before there. when we talked about it, it seemed black and white, and I, I didn't want to, ju- like, challenge my own integrity of just outright admitting that I wouldn't. My intention was absolutely to bring it up because I know that was the right thing to do. Was so, to do you think in you. your heart of hearts you were going to bring it up? I don't know. I now, now that's an honest answer. I like that, I can actually like. But my, then my why lie to me? Why inten- lie? My inten- that's a good question. My intention and plan was to. But like you said, like you just asked, I don't know. Do you know why you lied? About just now saying, when you say I was going to tell you, and Janet, that's because she doesn't I, because, believe. Because I I believe that. I do, okay. Be- because of the work that I've been doing, the work that I am trying to do. I I. I'd like to believe that I would default and do the right thing. I don't think that's there's any fair answer. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. No, that's a fair answer. But were too. you really going to call Paps on Monday? That was my intention. Absolutely. That that was that was my intention. Again, but to to answer it, I like to think so. That was my intention. But I don't know. I don't know if I would have woken up this morning and followed through. I don't know. And it wouldn't have bothered you at all. It would just, it's out of sight and mind. You just deleted it and whatever. I can't speak for the situation. I can't go through and say, if this would happen, if that would happen. All I know is that when I deleted it, it's because I didn't want any part of it. Now this is where I feel like you're trying to trap me into saying something. No, See, I told no, you this. I told no, you I mean, you'd lie. Or- no, that's just because it's, that's, you wouldn't have told me. And I, and I know that, so. I just really want to be done. I'm closing off, guys. Sorry. That's okay. No, that's okay. I don't want. I, I want you guys to take a breath. I'm a little nervous about you guys. Just like no, it's fine. We got our kids, so we'll just go our separate ways and we'll be fine. What can we do for for you both of you? 
Like, if I was as brave as both of you to tell you the ways that I understand what both of you are saying, like, it's really important because so many people can relate, even if it's a different example. It's really powerful. Like, I feel truly for both of you right now. Truly. Well, I hope and I next hear week, you both, and I believe you. I hope next week when people listen to this that they understand it's this is real shit and and that's why we share is because we know that there's other people out there going through either the exact same situation or like you said, Amy, different topic but similar out similar yeah. you know details. And I understand too. Make it go away. Make it go away. Yeah. And I understand so much of what Jana feels. Yeah. So much. That's why it's like there's no answer because you're, it's, I get it. And you do need time. Yeah. We love you guys so much. Love you too. Bye. Looking our best means taking time for renewal, including skin renewal. But anti-aging retinol can be harsh and irritating. Well, Burt's Bees, my faves, have found nature's gentle yet powerful retinol alternative, Bacuchiol, and has made it the key ingredient in their Burt's Bees Renewal Skincare line, which includes a firming moisturizing cream, refining cleanser, and more, all formulated without parabens, phthalates, SLS, and petrolatum. Go to burtsbees.com slash renewal and take time for renewal today. The only way is through. A new podcast in partnership with iHeartRadio and Under Armour. Players, coaches, and athletes will share intimate and personal stories of performing at the highest level. This season, Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffet McGraw is battling a losing record. Every game knowing you're supposed to win, that really weighs heavy on your shoulders. And I think I said at one point, wouldn't it be great to be the underdog again? My husband said, be careful what you wish for. And here we are. Listen to The Only Way Is Through, available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.